We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up show. That's Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, April the 22nd, 2021. Today's show, I lock in my official prediction as it's here. Gamecocks take on the number one ranked Arkansas Razorbacks getting underway tonight at Founders Park. Guys, I'll break down the series, give my prediction as South Carolina looks to get a big series win as they begin the second half of the 2021 SEC slate. Also, guys, your listener questions, and we have a fantastic conversation ahead of Saturday's spring game as Chris Marler of Saturday Down South and the College Football Uncensored podcast joins me. Of course, Chris, a friend of the show, he joined us before last season. We talk about Last season, Will Muschamp, the hiring of Shane Beamer, of course, spring practice, the spring game, look ahead to the 2021 football season, all that. Much, much more in a fantastic conversation, guys. We have got a packed show here on a Thursday. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention on the companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on Service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group, or of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Let's get it.
Arkansas. Folks, happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. Of course, I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up show as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. And I hope this finds you well, whether you're in class, you're at work, you're on the commute, you have the day off, whatever it may be. Hope you're having a fantastic day. And again, guys, if you have not been able to tell this week, I have been fired up. Now, I'm normally pretty excited. I wake up pretty ecstatic to do what I do and talk Gamecocks and break everything down. But with this week, with this week, facing the number one team in the country and the spring game on Saturday, I feel like I'm repeating myself because I keep telling you guys I'm waking up saying, dude, let's freaking get it. Let's go. Let's get after it. And I'm especially excited because anytime we're locking in predictions, we're talking South Carolina baseball, especially when you are facing the number one team in the country, it's always an exciting time. What an exciting time to be a Gamecock, guys. Hey, we've got a great show lineup, too. We've got a great conversation. My buddy, Chris Marler, joining me once again to talk South Carolina football. Uh, first things first, where we get going, guys. Two things. Number one, we've got some awesome new merch on TSUS.store. If you guys did not know, yes, we have an online store. But for those that already knew, brand new merch, brand new Clem Sucks merch. I'm also, in the next couple of days, going to be dropping a full summer line. So all of your favorite pieces. Going to be dropping tank tops, going to be dropping beach towels, all your summer needs, because, of course, it's starting to get warm in the city. We're going to need that type of stuff. And, hey, you guys know I love a good tank top, so why not put it on the store? We'll roll out with it. So, again, TSUS.store. That's where you can find all that. Again, the Clem Sucks merch is rolling right now. Very excited about that. Also, I know I told you guys I was possibly going to break down some of the spring game stuff and start doing that today. Well, I thought about it. I thought about it, and I've got some ideas for, like, top storylines and players to watch for and all that, and I thought, you know what? I'd rather save that for one big show tomorrow on the eve of the spring game versus combining the prediction for baseball and the spring game stuff and breaking it up like that or whatever. So we are going to solely today focus on this Arkansas series, continue to focus on this Arkansas series. I'm going to lock in my prediction, and then tomorrow's podcast, I'm going to focus solely on the 2021 Garnet and Black Spring Game, which, fingers crossed, because of the weather, is set to take place on Saturday at Williams-Brice Stadium. Very excited for that, guys, but I just wanted to keep you in the loop. Without further ado, though, let's go ahead and dive right into it. Locking in my prediction, Gamecocks taking on the number one ranked team in the land in front of an increased capacity. Founders Park going from 1,900 to about 3,500. That'll be gracing and entering the gates at Founders Park. First things first, guys, I want to make a correction because, you know, when I drop these the, the series preview shows, if you will, especially um, for this week's with the series being Thursday through Saturday, you know, I go off of who the team South Carolina is facing, who they threw the previous weekend as who's going to be their game one, game two, and game three. Guys, well, that is not the case. This week, this weekend, if you will. Arkansas will roll out this, these three guys, or these three pieces as their weekend rotation. Tomorrow's, or excuse me, tonight's game. Caleb Bolden will actually get the starting game one against Thomas Farr. He's a redshirt junior righty, 2-0 with a 4.63 ERA, 12 walks, and 26 strikeouts on the year. Tomorrow's game will be Peyton Pallett, a sophomore right-hander. One and two with a 4.06 ERA, 13 walks, and 51 strikeouts. He'll face off against Brandon Jordan. 
And then on Saturday, on Saturday, for the second straight week, the Gamecocks will face a team that has a TBA in its Game 3 slot. So, a pitching staff that already didn't look, you know, as daunting as some others, a 4.19 team ERA. It's not like you're facing Vanderbilt with Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. Again, of course, Arkansas has all the talent in the world. They've got, they've got studs all over the place. But, I mean, you take a look at the pitching matchup, you kind of got to like your odds right now, right? Bolden with a 4.63 and Pallet with a 4.06 ERA, respectively. And both righties. You don't have the Southpaw storyline anymore, which I think is really, really interesting. But what a weekend it's set to be in Columbia, South Carolina. You know, again, like I told you guys, what an opportunity. You know, all you can ask for in sports, in business, in life, in anything, all you can ask for is the opportunity. You know, you want to do great things. You want to achieve greatness. You want to break through. You want to kick the door open. You want to prove the doubters wrong. All you can ask for is the opportunity to do it. And South Carolina baseball has that opportunity this weekend. You know, it's weird. I've seen a real mixed bag of of the overall mood of South Carolina baseball fans. A lot of people giving Arkansas a lot of credit. And I know they're 30-6 and overall. They haven't lost an SEC series. I totally get it. But the Razorbacks coming into our house, coming to Founders Park, not going to be an easy task at all. I expect three great games this weekend, guys, starting tonight in front of what I think will be a raucous environment. The Rowdy Roosters will make 3,500 sound like 10,000. I fully believe that. I really do. But again, you start tonight with game one, and I thought Mark Kingston, talking about Thomas Farr, because, of course, he, he, he is a, a topic of conversation with the way he's pitched of late in South Carolina, especially their struggles in game one. I thought he made a great point in what he said about Thomas Farr, who will go tonight. You know, his overall stats, two and three with a 3.28 ERA, 24 walks, and 64 strikeouts. Mark Kingston said this, quote, we win as a team, we lose as a team. He's given us opportunities to, w- to win. He can be better. He knows that. We know that. But he's our guy, which is what I told you guys before. And I really do believe, you know, this is a team, again, you you found a way the last three weekends to overcome adversity, lose game one, and then win the next two. You found a way to do it. And kudos to this team, tip of the cap, for showing that said resiliency, showing that toughness, showing that win anyway, showing that battle. Nothing but a tip of the cap to those guys. But I'll be totally honest with you. I thought last week was going to be the week where, hey, if you don't win game one, I didn't think you were going to win the series. And I didn't say that last week when I was talking about the series, but I was thinking that. And after you lost game one to LSU, like I said, guys, call it for what it is, I think it was a blessing in disguise the Friday night game got postponed and you played that seven-inning doubleheader on Saturday. I think that benefited South Carolina tremendously. Tremendously, not having to play, you know, a late night Friday night game in Baton Rouge. But this matchup this weekend is really interesting. I I can't wait to watch it. It is truly a clash of the Titans and a clash of two teams that are winning baseball games in different ways. And I know I saw people saying, oh, you know, their numbers are skewed. They scored 22 against Arkansas Pine Bluff. 
I understand what they did, but this is an elite team offensively in the Arkansas Razorbacks. There's no question. They're third in the conference and hitting at 287. They lead the conference in home runs with 70. Like, they're not slouches at the plate. They've been winning with offense, a 4.19 ERA. And then you look at South Carolina, who, to this point, the 10-5 and SEC record, to this point has rode elite pitching and streaky hitting to where they are currently. And that's not a knock at all. That's just the truth. You know, as we all know, the bats, they come and they go, right? And you just hope they show up more often than they don't. That's at the point you're at. So it's a tale of two ball clubs that are winning games in different ways. And like I told you guys before, I really truly do believe that great pitching beats great hitting. I do. And I think South Carolina has the arms to give you the opportunity to win each of the three games you play in this week. And I mean, hey, look at the Saturday game or look at game three. Will Sanders against TBA. We kind of like our matchup there, especially the way Will Sanders has tossed the, the, spun the baseball. Absolutely. But again, Arkansas elite offensively. You take a look at a guy like Matt Goodhart was Collegiate Baseball National Player of the Week. He went 10 for 17 with five home runs last week. And like I told you guys on yesterday's show, he's hitting 343, 11 homers, 27 RBI. Brady Slavens, 10 homers, 45 RBI. So, you know, their midweek game got canceled. Both teams are coming in fresh, very fresh, ready to go, all arms on deck, all hands on deck for both sides. And, of course, hey, this is a big one for Arkansas. It's a big one for both sides. Gamecocks are only trailing Arkansas for first place in the SEC by a game. So it's teams right now like, you know, everybody's fighting for it, but up at the top, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, you know, Mississippi State, South Carolina, all fighting for first place right now. But I will say this, speaking kind of back to what I said about last weekend and the past couple of weekends, you know, you have found a way after losing game one to win games two and three and overcome adversity and win anyway and battle and win those series. And in the SEC, that's all that matters. You know, we, we can get – we can split hairs and get nitpicky and say, oh, man, you'd love to sweep. And certainly there are scenarios where you would love to sleep, love to sweep. I'm not saying that's not true. But you win two out of three in the SEC, you take what you can get and you run with it. Because if you average winning two out of three at the end of the year, guess what? You probably won your side of the division. Probably won your division. Going to be close to being number one in the conference. And could South kind of do it again? Could they lose game one and come back? They, they've shown that. They're more than capable when their backs are against the wall. A guy like Brandon Jordan and Will Sanders pitching their best baseball, digging the Gamecocks out of a hole, and getting back and winning a series. However, I'll say this. Series getting underway tonight. I think if you lose game one, could it happen? Certainly it could. Certainly it could. But I think game one is crucial this weekend. Tonight's game is pivotal. Because I think if you lose game one, you lose this series. Bottom line. Bottom line. You've been playing with fire for a few weeks. And I thought LSU, I thought LSU was going to be the team that made you pay, and they almost did. But I can tell you this, Arkansas, they will make you pay. 
they're going to make it hurt. If you lose game one, if you don't play your best baseball, if Thomas Ford has his best stuff, if South Carolina hitters aren't ready to go, they're going to make you pay. I, I just think there's only so many times you can play with fire without getting burnt. There's only so many times you can have your backs against the wall. You know, it's at some point, that other team, that other team you're playing, they're, they're going to land that knockout blow. I think one of the best matchups to watch all weekend is going to be South Carolina's arms against this Arkansas lineup. And I think Arkansas is going to score. And that's no knock on the Gamecocks pitchers. Because I've told you guys, at some point this season, there's going to be a weekend where, and I don't, I'm not wishing this on them. I'm not, you know, I'm not, it's not a slight at the pitching staff. But they've been so good this season. You know, in the game of baseball, sometimes your pitching has to pick up your hitting, which is what we've seen a lot of. Sometimes your hitting has to pick up your pitching a little bit. It's a team game, right? At some point, your pitching's been so good this year, they're going to have a weekend where I think they're going to struggle a little bit. They're going to get hit around a little bit. This weekend, to me, feels like the most likely that we've had at this point this season. I mean, Arkansas is a legitimate club at the dish. They can swing it as good as anybody in the country, if not the best offensive team in the country. And like I said, that matchup is going to be a ton of fun to watch. But you're going to have to hit to beat Arkansas. You're just going to have to. You're not I – mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you know, you held, Ar- you held LSU to seven runs last weekend. You ain't doing that this weekend, man. You're not doing it. Arkansas might score seven runs in one game. You're not doing that this weekend. If you don't score to the seventh inning, you're probably not going to win. Your bats have got to come out early and often. And I think, of course, the little things this weekend. I talked about that on yesterday's show. You know, when you have, you know, a series in Columbia, you know, highly contested, two really, really high-quality teams. It's going to come down to those little things. There's going to be five or six moments this weekend that when the dust settles, we're going to look back and say those moments, they were the difference. They were the difference between winning and losing. The team that capitalized on those moments, the team that took advantage of said moments, hey, the team that hit with two strikes, the team that drove in that runner at third with less than two outs, the team that got that big strikeout, the team that didn't walk guys, that didn't hit guys, that didn't give up free passes – that's going to be the team that wins. And I know that might sound obvious to some of you, but it's just in a series like this, it's even more amplified. It's even more amplified because a team like Arkansas, hey, guess what? You lead off walk, you give up a lead off walk, you walk a guy with two outs, they will make you pay. There's no margin for error against these guys. And if you're the South Carolina Gamecocks offensively, hey, you've done a good job in SEC play hitting with runners in scoring position. You have done a fairly decent job hitting with two outs. But you got to be more consistent because you're going to have to string hits together. You're going to have to score runs against an Arkansas pitching staff, like I said, that I think has been fairly gettable this year, especially later in the weekend. I mean, heck, their game threes, you look at some of the scores, man, they've given up double digits more than a couple of times. So it's very possible. But I think this series comes down to game one. Because, again, you can only play with fire for so long. And Arkansas, I think, is finally going to be that ball club. But if you lose game one, they're going to make you pay for it. They're, not, they're just not going to let you walk out of there, get away with it, and win games two and three, and, oh, here we go. You know, South Carolina just does it, does it again. 
And so tonight, game one, what has to change? What does South going to have to do to win this game? Everybody has to be better. Everyone has to be better. I want a one, two, three, top of the first inning tonight more than I want air to breathe, folks. Thomas Farr has got to do a better job of setting the tone. This Gamecocks lineup has got to do a better job of coming out. Get the hit parade going early, man. You, you, you can't wait 15 innings into the weekend to start swinging the bats. You're at home, a place you love to hit, a place you love to swing it. I already talked about, you know, Wes Clark being my key player. A guy like that returning home to the friendly confines. Can he finally get go, get going? Of course, Brady Allen's a leader. Andrew Eister's a guy that needs to swing it. David Mendham can, needs, needs to continue what he's been doing. Braylon Wimmer, Brendan Malone. I mean, you go down one through nine. We all know what, what this lineup's capable of. But it's going to come down to the South Carolina lineup because I think your arms, again, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times, they will give you a chance to win in all three games. Now, is that going to look like what we've seen some of the past starts? Is that going to look like, you know, Will Sanders basically throwing a complete game shutout? I don't think so. I think there's even more pressure on your lineup this weekend because I just think Arkansas is going to score, and it's not a knock on your pitching staff. It's just that when you're facing an offensive team of this caliber, they're going to get theirs at some point. Good hitters are going to hit. Great lineups are going to score. And I think the matchup, the battle is going to be just incredible to watch all weekend long. So with that being said, like I said, guys, it comes down to game one for me. It comes down to game, and I hate to put the whole series on one game. And, hey, if South Carolina loses tonight, am I going to mail it in and say, oh, series over? No. Like Mark Kingston said, he was asked about this. He said, our goal is to go 1-0 every single day. He's been saying that since the beginning of the season. And I agree with him 100%. You don't worry about tomorrow or the next day. You worry about what you can control, which is today. Your attitude, your mindset, your effort, your energy, all that. That's what you worry about. And I know that's very coach speak, but it is true. It is true. But again, you've been playing with fire for three weeks now, and you've gotten away with it. You've made a living doing it. It's, it's, it's truly incredible what guys like Brandon Jordan and Will Sanders have done for you with their backs against the wall. Georgia didn't make you pay for it. Mizzou did not make you pay for it. And LSU did not make you pay for it. But Arkansas will be that team. And if you lose game one, if you have a, you know, a, another, another rough night at the plate, Thomas Farr doesn't set the tone overall just as a team, as a collective. You don't come out tonight and set the tone for the weekend and you lose game one, I just don't see a scenario in which you're able to overcome it yet again for a fourth straight weekend. And with that being said, I don't think the Gamecocks win tonight. I don't think they win game one because, guys, honestly, it's just – and I believe in Thomas Farr. I do. I think he's the Gamecocks' ace. But for whatever reason, in game ones, the bats have not been able to get going. And until South kind of shows they can win a game one, it's just hard for me to pick them to do so. So with that being said, I think it's going to be a very highly contested series. I think it's going to be a great weekend for baseball. I really do. But at the end of the day, the Gamecocks right now offensively, I mean, we're, we're not talking about you're playing LSU or you're playing Georgia. I mean, like, 
there are certain tiers in college baseball where you have, you know, this top tier of teams that's like, okay, it's Omaha or bust for them. There's no reason they shouldn't be there. Arkansas is in that tier. They're that good. The next tier is where you would find a team like South Carolina. So the reason I would say a team like Arkansas is going to make you pay is because they are that good. It's not a knock on the Gamecocks. Arkansas is nasty, folks. They might win this damn conference. So you better come out ready to go. And I think South Carolina will. But it's hard for me right now to pick the Gamecocks to win a game one when they haven't done so in nearly a month. It's just tough for me to do so, and I, I can't do it in good conscience. I think it'll be three outstanding baseball games. I think South Carolina battle. I wouldn't be shot if it didn't come down to a rubber match. Hey, if it does, if it does, you feel pretty good about your chances with Will Sanders on the mound against the TBA. And, of course, Arkansas, they got plenty of good options, but you still feel good with Will Sanders on the mound and the way he's pitched and the way this lineup has come to life late in weekends. You know, Saturdays and Sundays really haven't been the issue offensively. It's been that Friday night. You got to somehow find a way. Hey, did no midweek game help? I don't know. Are you able to carry momentum over from the the Saturday in Baton Rouge? I don't know. But you got to start fast. You got to start fast. You got to win game one. If you're going to beat this Arkansas club, I don't think there's a sweep on either side. I think it's a really competitive series. I think it's three fantastic baseball games. But offensively, you're going to have to score. Hey, we can talk about Thomas Farr tonight all we want, but he's got to have help. Again, Caleb Bolden, quality arm for sure, but a 4.63 ERA, guys, he's gettable. You can't go out there and make him look like Cy Young. You got to give your guy Thomas Farr some help. You have to. Hey, the one Friday night game the Gamecocks have won, guess what happened? (laughs) They tatted up Tommy Mace. They scored runs. That's what you got to do. You got to find a way. I I know these game one guys are good. I I know they're aces. I know they're big-time ball players. I know they're they're, they're future major leaguers, a lot of them. But you've got to find a way to scratch at least three or four across and give your guy Thomas Farr a chance. Again, though, I can't pick that, guys. I've got the Arkansas Razorbacks. Lock it in. I've got them winning two of three this weekend against South Carolina. Like I said, I think it's going to be an extremely competitive series. I think it's going to be three great games. But just in good conscience, I cannot pick South Carolina to win this series because I think if you lose game one, I don't think you'll be able to overcome that yet again. And I don't think – I can't pick them to win a game one. I cannot pick this team to win a game one right now. They've got to go out there and show me and prove it to me. And, hey, Thomas Farr – I hope tonight he shoves that baseball so far up my ass it comes out of my mouth. I really hope he does. And I know he can do it. I I know he's capable. I know he's more than capable. And I hope those bats come alive from the jump tonight. But in my opinion, if you're going to win this series against the number one ranked team in the country, you've got to win that game one. And just right now, guys, it's hard to... It's hard to predict that, and it's hard to make that proclamation and make that prediction and say the Gamecocks will win a game one until they do so. So, again, guys, like I said, lock it in. I've got the Hogs winning two out of three at Founders Park. And like I said, either way, going to be a fantastic weekend for baseball in Columbia, South Carolina. All right, guys, let's move into your listener questions. We're going to jump right into our conversation. Like I said, guys, full spring game preview coming tomorrow. 
I thought about doing like half of it today, half of it tomorrow. And I was like, you know what? What's the point of doing that? We got a great conversation with Chris Marler talking football, talking spring game. Then you guys will hear my full thoughts on what I'm looking forward to to Saturday's spring game on tomorrow's show. That will be the sole focus of our Friday show. Guys, just two questions real quick. Krusty Andy, always coming in the clutch with the great questions. Krusty Andy says, ninjas or pirates? I got to go pirates. If you're just asking favorites, I favor pirates over ninjas. If you're asking me who would win in a fight, mm, I would think ninjas are a little bit more coordinated, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with pirates. I don't want to even ask questions. I'm going to go with pirates. Uh, last question, David underscore Burkhalter underscore 16. Do you think Carolina can pull off two of the three games against Arkansas? Which two, if so? Can they? Absolutely. Absolutely, I think the Gamecocks can. No doubt in my mind. If they're going to win two out of three, these are the two they're going to win, in my opinion. They're going to win Thursday, tonight. I'm about to say Friday. They're going to win tonight's game. They're going to win game one. They got to win game one, like I said. And I think they'll win game three with Will Sanders on the bump. And that's no slight or not to Brandon Jordan or anything, but I just... I, I I will be almost shocked that this series does not come down to a rubber match. I really will. I don't know. I, I just think it's going to be a highly competitive series, but I think South Carolina needs to break through and win a game one to win this series. I just do. So great questions, guys. Great stuff. And hey, we got a great conversation coming up, guys. Friend of the show. He he was on way long time ago, back in August. Chris Marler, Saturday on South College Football Inside Uncensored podcast, new initiative. He started, guys, a great conversation. We talk again. Will Muschamp's firing, Shane Beamer, recruiting, spring ball, spring game, the 2021 season, overall SEC outlook, guys. A packed conversation, guys. So sit back, relax, enjoy. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped. Guys, the flowers are blooming. The grass is growing. It's time to chop the weeds. Thanks to our sponsor. Manscaped, you can trim your holes safely and efficiently. I'm talking about ball trimmers, of course. Manscaped, the global leaders in men's blow the waist grooming, have an exclusive offer for our audience using the promo code TSUS. Again, that's TSUS to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Guys, join the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. They are here to make sure you're trimmed and smelling nice. After all, it is time for some spring cleaning. Guys, spring is sprung. Manscaped has the best tools to get you ready. Hey, we've all been there, right? We're getting ready. We're trimming our junk. We're, we're, we're cutting up down there. We're manscaping, whatever. And we get a nick. We get a cut. We bleed. It burns. It, it's no bueno. It's a complete mess, to be honest with you. Hey, no more. Leave that in 2020. Manscaped are the global leaders in men's blow-the-waist grooming and have forever changed the grooming game with their amazing products, guys. They're here to help with your above-the-waist holes also, by the way. Have you heard of their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Guys, no more gross nose hairs flying in the wind. And guys, the Premium Manscaped Weed Whacker, it uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum confidence while providing hygiene. And guys, speaking of incredible hygiene, Manscaped has formulations to keep you fresh and ready for everything that comes your way. The Crop Preserver. I love that stuff. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant moisturizer. Hey, it's starting to get hot in Columbia. And you know it's going to get hot in Columbia and in the state of South Carolina. This is crucial so your ball stops sticking your leg, guys. You got to use the Crop Preserver because we all know the ball sticking your leg. It's the absolute worst. It sucks. You're also going to find the Crop Reviver, which is the spray-on toner for your balls, which will keep you smelling fresh down there just like 
spring flowers. Now, guys, speaking of smelling fresh, complete your grooming game this spring with a new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. This stuff's legit. It'll have you smelling like royalty, guys. I use it every single day. Uh, the cologne, hands down, is probably my favorite product they have. The cologne's light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. You're going to be the talk of the next tailgate. Guys, smell good, feel good this spring. You're going to get 20% off and free shipping with the code TSUS at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code TSUS at manscaped.com. Guys, it's spring cleaning, baby. Your balls will thank you. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Now, enjoy this conversation with Chris Marler of Saturday Down South and the College Football Uncensored Podcast. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show, very excited once again. He's a friend of the show. He's an engagement editor for Saturday Down South, co-host of College Football Uncensored, also a stand-up comic. And like I said, a friend of the show. We had him on way back in August of last year. How much different the world looks now, Chris Marler. We didn't even know if we were going to have a football season. Will Muschamp was still South Carolina's head football coach, God (laughs) forbid. Um, And again, I I look back on our conversations then and think, man, how much has changed? But again, Chris Marler joining the show once again. Chris, I appreciate you taking the time, man. And of course, really exciting now, especially ahead of the spring game on Saturday for South Carolina and a couple of other teams as well. It's, It's really an exciting time to be talking college football. Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, of course, man. I'm excited to be back. Um, that's like one of the first things I was thinking about before I came on here was like, man, this is going to be like, I'm excited to see what you are like. Right. Post must champ. Cause I've like seen your shit like on, on, you know, social media and stuff like that. And I've, you know, obviously watch most of the, uh, like the, the video clips and stuff like that, but I haven't like done an interview with you mm. since you're, you know, just mortal enemy was finally given like, you know, kicked to the curb. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, man, that you bring that up because, you know, we've obviously been, obviously been going through college baseball season. I'm a huge baseball guy, obviously, whatever. So I, I've been covering South Carolina baseball very closely and they're having a really good year, you know, top 15 right now. They got a huge series upcoming this weekend. And, and, you know, people have been on social media saying Wait, like, hold on, oh, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. Like literally, as you just said that Ray Tanner just kicked three more students out of the game. Just, just right yeah. then. Exactly. Just right then. <laughs> exactly exactly the rowdy roosters strike again but uh but no so so it's funny though people on social media are like oh baseball season see philly season this is like the best content he's (laughs) baseball's his niche and i'm like i'm not totally arguing that baseball isn't my lane because i played the sport but i was like guys the difference is is you're finally seeing me covering a sport where we're actually doing well and i have hope in the program and the people in position of power and i i you know, I've never been somebody to, and again, it's just because you brought this up. I just, you know, I've never been someone to like, I'm not going to say anything to appease the masses or appease anyone, right. but I, I really genuinely selfishly from the standpoint of, I cannot wait for people to see the content and the coverage this year and going forward with Shane Beamer. Cause it's like, I've actually yeah. feel like for the first time in years, I actually have hope in the football program again with the must yeah. thing. I just, I just couldn't hide it. I could not hide it after that UNC game. After the bearded tomato was born, there was no going back. <laughs> there was no going back for me, bro. That, that's it. So well, I'm actually, I mean, it's like, I'm actually excited. Well, I told you off air. Yeah. It's a, fr- you know, there's nothing like a fresh start uh, every exactly. once in a while. So, yeah. I mean, no, and the other thing I was thinking about this too, is that like, cause you know, like my, my family lives in Lexington and uh, sister graduated from there. And like, you know, like it's three miles from home. Right. So, like I like USC. I like going to games there. I, I I wish that it wasn't just like just ungodly hot every time I'm in in Williams Bryce. But at the same time, I was thinking like this: this like you cover so much content mm. because South Carolina is one of those schools that's good at everything. It seems yeah. like 
except football. the fans like care about right everything. Now. The fans care right. about everything. That's yeah, that's right. the thing. So, so no, yeah, I'm excited, man. Like I said, I'm, I'm excited for people to see the content. And I think people are going to be really surprised because I think they expect me to, you know, we play Georgia <laughs> week on three. Everything. Well, yeah, they, 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 I think they expect we lose to Georgia week three and I'm like, Oh, I'm out. He's not the guy. Yeah. It's like, no dude, it's, it's a new era. It's, it's a different day on that note. Let's go back to that again, Chris. Cause like I said, so much has changed. Since you yeah. and I last spoke, obviously the 2020 football season did happen. Thank God it, we, we had what a successful happened? year. Yeah, exactly. I, I, it, dude, tw- the 2020 season, I was looking back because I was trying to think, okay, okay, 2021, which road trips are we going on? I was like, yeah, man, that 2020 season, it feels like a blur. I mean, just it just like that. I mean, having but, to watch everything from home, not being able to go to a single yeah. game. And like like I, I was telling Allie the other night, because like, you know, it's like I, I'm a big Alabama fan and have been right. my whole life. I've never enjoyed a national championship less than like last yeah. season. Cause it was like, it is a lot of factors that go into that. I think just because of like, I mean like the year in general was tough. Right. And then you also have like the election going into the end of the year and somebody that works in social media, that was a nightmare. <laughs> right, and then it's like, right. so just, and then people really quit like, like half through mm. the season, if their team kind of sucked and um, my team was doing great. So I wish everyone right. would have stuck around, but no, it was, it was one of those weird years, but like, I honestly think that, like the ability of fans to be back in a stadium, be back in their element is going to just do wonders for college football this fall. Yeah. I, we, we strive to have your problems, by the way, I'll say that. But again, uh, back to what I was saying, 2020 yeah. happened. Will Muschamp got fired. South kind of went on the coaching search, which it was crazy, by the way, side note, how all of us last summer were talking about, oh, you know, COVID year, there's a built-in excuse, all these buyouts. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's getting fired. It's a free pass for everybody. Bro, the chopping block just came down on SEC coaches left and right. And Will Muschamp certainly was one of them. Right. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I well, know I you want to comment say, like, on the, the coaches. I, I, I So, like, I kind of thought that that was kind of a crazy outlook to have on it. And, and I, I think, I mean, you talked to my former podcast host um, and buddy and, and coworker, Connor O'Gara, last week, and he, he was a big proponent of that. And he was saying, yeah. he's like, you know, there's no way they're going to fire anybody. And, and, and the reason why I used to joke around about this is that, like, Nicole Auerbeck said the same thing people like that are looking through this lens of like logic and reason, right? Which you throw that shit out the window immediately There's in the SEC because that. it's like, when you, when you're talking like, Oh my, like I remember like having this conversation, he was like, how, how are they going to pay the buyout? Like, I mean, these buyouts are, you know, like astronomical numbers and you've got all these, these, these teachers that are, you know, being like on, on leave yeah. without pay and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, they, first off the moment that they say we're thinking about firing the head coach, the first booster that gets like an opportunity to have any kind of like, not like financial gain, but like any kind of personal gain from that, he will throw out whatever amount of money is needed and they will have that money raised with Like you've seen GoFundMe's and shit like that. It's like that, but with millions of dollars from boosters that just (laughs) want to feel important. So I I wasn't shocked at all that 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 happened. The fact that Derek Mason got fired was pretty shocking. That was about the only one. Yeah, it was one of those things, again, back to like kind of Connor's side of things where it's like, and I told him this, that it's easy to say that in June and July and, you know, when, but when you've lost, hey, when you're South Carolina and you're giving up 159 points in a three-week span, it's a lot harder to say, eh, it's a pass. Like, it's much harder yeah. to sit there in that moment and say that. And again, like I said, Will Muschamp gets fired. South kind of goes on the coaching search. You know, a lot of people thought it was going to be Hugh Freeze, mm-hmm. Billy Napier. There were some other names tossed around. Shane Beamer gets the job. I'm curious to hear from your perspective. Again, you're a Bama guy, but you're also a national college football analyst. Just what were your yeah. overall thoughts on, number one, South kind of pulling the trigger on Will Muschamp when they did, the coaching search as a whole, and did them landing on Shane Beamer deciding he was the head man for the job? 
Yeah, so it was weird. Like, I was glad they pulled the trigger on on firing Muschamp. Um, and that's a guy that, like, you know, I, I think that a lot of people he, – he drove a lot of people crazy because it's like there were good performances, but it wasn't – like, like the, the whole body of work was never even close to being right. good enough. I mean, like, his best year was – what eight and five? It was it was a, it was a nine like win season in 2017, but that same season they were down uh, sixteen to nothing to Louisiana Tech at the end of the third quarter, and somehow came back and won that game. So right. a lot of people well, say it was, like was, also it, was 12 it, other games. So yeah, it's like, but it's like, was it smoke and mirrors? I mean, that South Carolina right. like had one of the highest turnover margins. They they forced like an insane amount they of won turnovers. Like six seven or seven right. uh, six games one score seven game. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's kind of you but, look back and yeah. So. When you see what they did against um, against Georgia in 2019, and I remember like when that win happened to somebody that's grown up in the state and is not a huge fan of Georgia, that was awesome. I, yeah. I remember I've seen like, your videos; you were going nuts. It was it was a, yeah. a great day. Mm. But as soon as it happened, I was like, oh shit, they're gonna be stuck with him for like another. Yeah. Like it just you know it just gives them basically another contract extension for several yeah. months, so, so he can go sit out the lake um, over there at Lake Murray. <laughs> but I mean, so when they hired Beamer, like because I thought if you hired Napier. Like he, he was like just going through some of the names that were big. Obviously, Hugh Freeze, Napier. I, I got that feeling that Hugh Freeze thought he was too big for that that job. Right. Um, I thought it would have been a great hire if they had they had Freeze because the way I look at it with South Carolina is you're not you're not going to out recruit Georgia strictly from the fact that right. the in state recruiting in South Carolina, while it's been good as of late, and you've seen years where they've had Clowney and Lattimore and all that kind right, of stuff, right. and Gilmore and some, those guys, um, they've they've had really good prospects come out, but on a consistent basis. Right. They have it. I think like two years ago, Muschamp signed like the top five or six players in the state mm-hmm. overall yeah. over, over Clemson. And, and I will, you know, yeah. And I will say too, not to, not to cut you off, but not to knock South Carolina's recruiting efforts or I mean, yeah. I guess I don't care if I knock Muschamp, but I think we'd probably both agree South Carolina benefited greatly recruiting in state because of Clemson's success, believe it or not. Cause they don't, yeah. have, they don't have to recruit those guys. I mean, just, just call it for what it is. Be honest. Right. Cause I, I was telling, I've told buddies, I'm like, Dude, if Clemson really wanted them, you don't think they would have gotten they would have had half them of them? Yeah, yeah, at least half well, of them. I mean, and the thing is, too, like, there's other states, like, like Louisiana's big on this, where it's like you put a fence around that state, you don't want anybody to get out. And, um, you know, you, you didn't really see that as much like with Clemson. So that's a really good point. Right. Um, but the, the other part of it was having like a guy like Freeze, I think just South Carolina had to do something to differentiate themselves. You're not going to line up and play like this whole like I don't say era because it was like four or five years ago, but there was a, a just an influx of coaches that came in the SEC that that had the worst possible like resume to qualify for yeah. the job. It was like, all right, did he coach under Saban? Awesome. That's one box checked. <laughs> that's, that's Is he a defensive minded coach? <laughs> Boom. Love yeah, it. it. Is he a white former defensive back that played like very, very <laughs> underwhelmingly in the late nineties? Awesome. Let's get him on there. Yeah. Sign him up right now. Uh, so when, when Muschamp like was there, you could just see the way, football was like kind of like the way the game was changing yeah. like in, in, in so much more focused on offense it was like this is like it's been two or three years and this is like a just it's like you're watching someone die it's like you're, yeah. there's no way this is gonna this is gonna work long term so when they when they i thought they needed to find somebody to differentiate themselves like and not in a way it's like the triple option or, or right, right like that but like figure out what you can do that is going to be different than the new ga different from florida but still make you compete with those teams especially in that division and like when they hired Beamer, I was like, what? <laughs> like <laughs> never heard of a Beamer that's not named Frank. So yeah. I, I, I was, you know, honestly just kind of ignorant to the whole um, him as a person and his career yeah. and, all, and his resume and all kind of stuff. And, and honestly, like I made it a point, not even to like look up his resume. Cause like, I don't know, you know, how to like 
judge his I, the people who right. hired him just, well i guess ray tanner i want to say that person was smarter than i am but i don't no like comment. Ray tanner, so no comment yeah <laughs> maybe bottom line is like the, the i didn't want to like read just stats on a page or numbers and wins or how many places he's been um to make this you know to make a decision on how good of a hire it was yeah. but the moment he had dj swearinger connor shaw you know Lattimore kept on staff and he started bringing all these guys back and he started bringing guys back from that era, which is like the peak of the I mean, Al- Alshon Jeffrey's been around the building all week, Melvin Ingram. I mean, all, all right. Those, yeah, all those and they guys. should be, they should be yeah. every off season. They should be having workouts there every yeah. single off season. You want yeah. those guys back as much as possible. And the fact that that wasn't happening before is like kind yeah, of bizarre and yeah. odd. Stephon well, I mean, like, Gilmore we'll, was in town two weeks ago. Yeah. Like, well, and, and I understand like, this is a different, you know, thing altogether, but having, Having Steven Garcia back for like the first time in a decade for that Bama game, that, that just like that kind of stuff is kind of nonsensical to me. But when you have those guys specifically from that era, mm. I think that like when they spoke up about him and they they gave him like their you know vote of confidence, that was pretty much all I needed because first off, DJ Swearinger says anything, I'm not gonna fucking disagree with it. Excuse my language, I'm just no, you're not. Fine. He's like, you're it's, fine. Um, but like you know, I, I think that that automatically brings in like there's not some like sense of entitlement or like level of mm. we don't have to work to get <clears throat> things here. Like, you know, cause they have all these new facilities and stuff like that. When you start bringing back those guys that, that demand respect as soon as they walk in the, the building and they're vouching for this guy, that's yeah. such an easier transition to have as a new head coach. Yeah. And I, I was lucky enough, Chris, to talk to so many former players and a guy like DJ Swearinger and of course Garcia. Yeah. You, you hear these former players over and over and over and culture was the word that you kept yeah. hearing over and over getting the culture back in the building. And when all of those guys, the Gamecock legends are giving the guy the vote of confidence hard, it's hard to go against that. Cause I agree with you. There definitely was a spin cycle with coaches. And I was so glad that South Carolina, I mean, listen, if yeah. they would have, if they would have hired Hugh Freeze, I'd have been a, behind him 110%. His track record yeah. speaks for itself, but I was happy for once, I felt like South Carolina just thought outside of the box. Like, hey, it might yeah. not work. I've told fans, it's like Shane Beamer, you know, everything's feel good right now. We're in the honeymoon phase. They're saying all the right things, doing all the right things. The social media team is putting out great videos. Like, always high yeah. vibes. We're high vibes right now. But we all know it's a results-oriented business. It'll be determined on the field, and we'll see where we're at five, six years from now. Right. But if nothing else, you're rolling the dice and seeing if maybe you can get a different result. Because I just feel like if you'd have done that typical, like you said, good old boy SEC hire, like it's almost wild. Yeah. Mike Bobo hasn't been a head coach in the SEC because there's it seemed like, like it seems like he'd be one of the coaches getting recycled through. I, mean, I it's just, just like it's there's crazy. Like five, three to five, maybe seven coaches, and and I thought about this last year because of like the politics and stuff like that was going on with the election season. But it's like you know, people always say like we need term limits. We have to have term limits. So these fucking centers aren't like in office for like 87 years. <laughs> term in, limits in for Washington. college football. For SEC we need coaches. term limits in college. I mean, like Mike Bobo, John Chavis, Kevin Steele. Yeah. Kevin Steele went to Tennessee for two weeks and got $950,000 for nothing. Yeah. And that was after he tried to steal a job from, from Gus Malzahn. Anyway, but yeah, like they need term limits on these, on these things. Um, I just, I, I agree with you. I think outside the box is perfect. I had, yeah. The biggest fear they were going to hire Billy Napier. And if they would have done that, it would have been a colossal failure, in my opinion. Well, and I know a lot of fans didn't love that because he was a former Clemson guy. I mean, Mm -hmm. it would have been a very – like South Carolina fans, and I know it's probably something you shouldn't care about, but I think Gamecock fans would have never heard the from Clemson fans. So, again, you know, giving a Gamecock a chance, a former Gamecock, you bring in a guy in Shane Beamer that was there when you reached the heights of the program the one year in your history ever went to Atlanta and – somebody who can bring that experience back and a guy who can point to, you know, those murals and, and those accolades and say, 
I was there. I helped build that. I helped do it. And yeah. We can do it again. I, I want to get your take on the overall staff, Chris. And we don't have to go through, obviously, each position coach and coordinator. Yeah. But the thing that was really sold when Shane Beamer took the job was, okay, he's never been a head coach before. He's been, mm -hmm. under, been under some great coaches. He's been under some great programs. I mean, he right. comes from Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley. So he has great experience. But the thing that was sold with Shane Beamer is, okay, he doesn't have a lot of experience as a head coach, none at all, but he's going to hire big-time assistants. And we started hearing different OCs, different DCs, different right. position coaches. And, like, for me overall, I give him and his staff overall a B. Like, I think uh -huh. it's good, I think it's solid, but I think everybody has something to prove. I mean, there's a nice mix of veteran guys and NFL guys, and then you got a mix of guys like an Eric Kimry, who's a good buddy of mine who played at South Carolina, who brings that, you know, takes a Gamecock to Noah Gamecock mentality. He's going to be the tight ends coach. He brings that passion. First off, it takes us a Hammond Skyhawk to know a Hammond Skyhawk. That's it. As That's the it. former middle school defensive coordinator there in 2008, <laughs> I also know Coach Kimry pretty well. Yeah, there you um, go. No, there but, like, I, I honestly, that's where I would start with this, is that, like, right. I love the fact that he brought in, like, the old, like, like the old, old players to be coaches at like positions and i'm not trying to like you know this isn't a slight at them but like who's that who's the fullback demarco yeah patrick marga he's gonna be an analyst so i mean yeah. okay yeah so it's like offensive you know, analyst I, I don't know how much he's gonna like in the same way butch jones i don't know what he was doing at bama right. necessarily but like demarco being there in general and, and being like you know like stories like being able to tell stories like, yeah. you, like you remember this from baseball i'm sure like when you're around guys that like used to play there you're around guys that are like now in the bigs or whatever else you guys just sit around and like shoot the shit and, and, and it's fun listening to like these, you know, war stories from like when they played or like, you know, like, you know, it, you talked about like passing like a, a trophy or whatever in the like, hallway, like, oh yeah, let me tell you what happened in Atlanta, blah, blah, blah. I think stuff like that, that is where you create culture and being able to have like, you know, some of these traditions and, and things that are passed down from not just, you know, fans and generations, but from team to team. So I think all of that is, is perfect that he brought those players back. I would start with Kimry. And, and the reason why is because one, because I know him, like you're saying, and then two, um, that pipeline from Hammond is huge. Mm -hmm. And, and like, I know that it's, you know, there's other talent in the state and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not sure, like, I, I don't know what their track record is from signing every single big prospect out of that school, but right. Burge came from there. Mm -hmm. They, Boogie, they Boogie came from there. D tackle, big D tackle. Yeah, they've done nothing but win championships there for like 15 years. And and I think that like being able in a state like that, that it already is kind of like a little bit deprived of, of, of talent, um, like overall, I, I, that's huge. That's huge. And so having a guy like that and, you know, like you said, like you're, you're putting him at tight end. I think he's a tight ends coach, right? Yeah. Um, but he's a Gamecock and he's and he's a yet another guy that's like you look at what he what puzzle piece he fits. Mm. And it's this guy that has, yeah, like he was a head coach in high school and has all the success. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. But he also has one of the greatest moments in Gamecock history yeah. that everyone knows and loves. So it's, again, creating that culture and, and trying to, you know, revamp that. Yeah, and I think it's what's such a breath of fresh air for South Carolina fans, and I, I know me personally, is just, again, finally giving those guys an opportunity. Because when Shane Beamer yeah. was looking, who am I going to hire? It's like, man, we've kind of went the route of hiring the Georgia alum, the Florida alum. I mean, I, I just Joe Cox was a wide receivers Bobo? coach. I mean, come on, like what does just, he know I'll about? Never get over wide that receiver? picture. I, 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 yeah. I'm still scarred from that picture <laughs> of him in the Sporting News. Yeah, I mean it's just unbelievable. But anyway, so you know, with Shane Beamer again, you bring in Marcus Satterfield, you bring in Clayton White, and we're in spring ball right now. So let's move into that. You know, really the storyline. I think it has to start offensively with the quarterback position and Luke Doty. And I, I'm I, I doubt you've probably seen a ton of what Shane Beamer has said, but he's made it pretty clear 
I would say right now it's safe to say Luke Doty is QB1. Yeah. You know, played the last three games of the season. Shane Beamer went as far to say a few weeks ago, hey, those other guys, they have to make it a competition. So I was like, right. that just it's screams. Yeah, that screams Luke Doty is QB1. I'm just curious to get your takeaways on, you know, I know you probably didn't watch a ton on him, but if you did, just what you saw from Luke Doty and what type of player you can be for South Carolina. Because, again, we all know you can have all the bells and whistles, but if you do not have a quarterback, you do not have a chance in the SEC. Well, yeah, I mean, I was very disappointed last year because I, my dumbass had uh, Helensky as a top five quarterback in the SEC going into the season. <laughs> Dude, all uh, so many take. of us, so many of us were wrong about, and and there's a ton of Gamecock fans. Well, there's a ton of Gamecock fans that will never forgive Mike Bobo because they all believe he ran him off, which I mean, it's up that's, for debate. Well, I mean, it's up for debate. Well, yeah, it's fair, but I mean, <laughs> um, no. So I, I think like Doty, like like the one extensive game film uh, or. or game that I was able to get like film from and watch actually live was the George game, which is a good one to watch because he was yeah. incredibly efficient and, and accurate in that game. Um, has all the the hype coming out of high school, four-star kid, I think he's elite 11 finalist maybe yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, like yeah. a, 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 by all means, like a good recruit, a big, big time get. Um, first thing that jumps out when you talk about your quarterbacks is it is the, it's like a fucking episode of the bachelor, man. It's the whitest QB room I've ever heard about. <laughs> Colton Connor, Jason Luke. I just, I mean, if that's not a fucking boy band waiting to happen, I don't know what is. So, um, but like, yeah, you know, I think, you know, what you said about, about what, like Beamer's comments is in the spring, you get nothing but coach speak. You get like right. absolutely nothing but coach speak. And if like you're saving, you get coach speak and somebody tries to like, infer what that means. And then he just like rips their heads off. Yeah. So Beamer was pretty open about this and saying how somebody's going to have to come take it. Like, like I, I think that speaks volumes because you can, come in have like a fair shot and, and have like an opportunity and like you know give reps to everybody but if you're not going to show anything in those reps i mean like listen spring practice is 15 practices right yeah, yeah. it's 15 practices it's, it's at most schools three scrimmages and that's it and then you're done and you can't even watch them practice until what august so Close. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah because if you want to come out to the field yeah, between yeah. these times if you want to if you um, want to but if you don't you're not going to play <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean, I think that like, like yeah. there's, that's not a lot of opportunity. We saw a lot of this last year. We talked about with COVID, mm-hmm. that's not a lot of opportunity for a brand new staff and talking about transfer players, especially that position to really get acclimated to everything and, and try to like, you know, show out. And and I think that a lot of that will kind of work itself out over the summer. But the biggest thing that stands out to me about Luke Doty is the, the comment that Beamer's made multiple times now is that everyone on that offense looks to him as the guy, like, mm-hmm. like everyone looks to him, as the leader already. And that's, again, like that is more important, I think, than being able to drop back and throw 63% of passes or whatever Colin Hill did last year, like, and just, you know, dink and dunk and and just, just, that is just the quintessential game manager. So I think um, Doty should be QB one. I think that's the least besides running back. That's the least of the problems on offense. Yeah, I was going to say his dual threat ability, I think, is going to give Luke mm-hmm. Doty the nod, just his experience last year. Let, let's talk about the running backs, because, again, that's probably the most fun position group to talk yeah. about on this South Carolina roster. And, of course, Kevin Harris, who's been a little, you know, banged up here and there through spring ball. I highly doubt he sees more than a possession or two Saturday in right. the spring game. And Marshawn Lloyd, of course, coming back from his injury, making great progress. But, of course, he's not going to play in the spring game yeah. either. Um I want to first get your thoughts on what Kevin Harris did last season, which I thought was remarkable when you take into account that, like you said, Colin Hill was the quarterback, and South Carolina (laughs) had limited to basically no options outside of Shai Smith to throw the football to. Teams knew that South Carolina was giving the football to Kevin Harris, 
and he still torched everybody. Yeah. And now you add in Marshawn Lloyd to the mix, which I've told fans what's crazy, what's scary about it. 100% Marshawn Lloyd, I think, is actually better than Kevin Harris. I mean, if he, if, I thought he was going to start last year. He, and I think he would have if he wouldn't have gotten injured. I'm like, you know, if, yeah. if, he, if he is the guy that we all heard about, if he's as good as he was advertised, he's going to be the starting running back. And I think it's going to be a 1A, 1B combination either way. But what were your thoughts on Kevin Harris' season last year and then the outlook of the Gamecocks running back position coming into this season? Because, again, with that two-headed monster – of Lloyd and Harris, and I know people love to talk about Tank Bigsby and Gamecock fans get so mm. upset when people say Tank Bigsby's the best running back in all of college uh, football. And you're like, oh, have you forgotten about Kevin Harris and also Marshawn right. Lloyd, which he hasn't played. But those two guys, that two had a monster, I think could be one of the best duos in the SEC, if not college yeah. football. Just your thoughts on the running back position in Columbia. First off, no one in, in the SEC or this country recruits the state of Delaware like, like South Carolina. Y'all just recruit the shit out of Delaware. And it's, it's you love to see it. Um, I mean, there, there's like, don't even get me started in Delaware. My ex is from there. And there's Delaware is a, is a hell of a state. So you guys are, are just crushing up there. There's like some good football up there too. So I, I feel like I was looking at something the other day and they were like, another recruit out of whatever the nickname of Delaware is. I have no idea what it was. Bordering it was like, the old Atlantic the, Ocean. Uh, yeah, out of the sunshine. I don't know. That's, that's not sunshine. Type. You know what I'm, I'm saying? saying anyway. what, is Del- what is Delaware known for outside of monstrous running backs? I don't know. Drinking, I think that's about okay, it. Fair so, enough. Um, <laughs> no, so I, I think like what, what happened with Kevin Harris last year, and this happened like all over college football. I remember saying this like several times, like once we get in like November and December, where there were so many seasons that were happening and nobody was giving him enough credit. Like, like everyone was so hell-bent on like getting to the finish line and like, you know, we didn't take time like, to stop and smell the roses at all, at all. Like, and I think like it was a, that was the worst part of the whole season. I think, in, in my opinion, because you look at like what Brees Hall was doing at Iowa State and putting up just ridiculous numbers and having like over two thousand yards in a shortened season. I, I didn't realize until the, the maybe the season was over. Najee Harris had thirty touchdowns, thirty touchdowns, mm-hmm. thirty. Like that's a ridiculous amount. Like so, and, and then obviously like with the receivers and all that kind of stuff around the SEC. But what Kevin Harris did. Each and every single week, it wasn't like it, like you're just like look up like George Rogers numbers or like a guy like Herschel or Bo, yeah, and you, yeah. you're like you're looking at their schedule and you're like, how the hell did that guy run for 1800 yards in, in like a 10 game season? And then you're like looking at it, it's like, oh, he had 300 against Tennessee, like 230 right. against like that's what he was doing week in and week out in this shortened season, and it was it was awesome to watch because again, not a slight, you guys, and and, and Hutchinson was a really good offensive lineman, but like it wasn't like it was some you know formidable front right that right. he was running behind and then like again colin colin hill is, is not a guy that's like gonna god, bl- god bless his soul <laughs> oh, jesus christ yeah um yeah it's, anyway um but like i mean he's just, he reminds me of that catcher from major league like that's the kind of knee problems this guy is gonna have at the age of 23 but anyway so he he has um you know like like he has this incredible season i think he had over 1400 yards or, or, or close to it and like week in and week out, you just kept thinking at some point, right. <laughs> some point people are going to catch on. He, I don't think he made first team all SEC at the end of the year, which was horseshit. Like yeah. just, it just, and, and even going into this year, we still are just helping on getting tank Bigsby in there. Harris is, is the best returning back in the SEC hands down. And, and like, until someone takes that from him, he deserves to have that accolade and, and also is good enough to have that accolade. Yeah. Um, but if, if we can, if you can get Marshawn Lloyd healthy, um, and also get Luke Doty on the edges of a defense and be like, I'm not talking about running the option or anything like that, but I mean, like right, right. if you can start spreading teams out, 
like that'll really take the, the pressure off of a young quarterback for one. And also take the pressure off that, that offensive line. And, and I, I know Beamer's been complaining about this, like throughout the season or throughout the, the spring um, and not being able to get like big play, uh, yeah, explosive, like, plays, explosive yeah. plays downfield. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff, that, that's where you start getting broken plays, and that's where you start getting like a defense on their heels. And that's one thing that they really struggled with last year because as impressive as it was with with him, with Kevin Harris, outside of that, like you said, it, it wasn't like it wasn't like Shy Smith was taking the top off a of defense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he was just going off making freak catches. It seemed like somebody was always draped all over him. So that's that's something I think with, with another back in that system and also a mobile quarterback that isn't a geriatric, just with a great beard. I think that'll help a lot. Now, Marla, let's move to the defensive side of the ball because it's it's wild to think that that Will Muschamp defense averaged giving up 36 points per game and at one point gave up 159 points over a three-game stretch. From that defense, you lose guys like Israel McQuamu, J.C. Horn, John Dixon, Jamie Robinson, basically your entire secondary depleted. You lose yeah. Ernest Jones, which I think at the middle linebacker spot is a very underrated loss. He was a which, unfortunately, since I'm talking to you, one of one of his highlights that I'll never forget is is getting completely just hurtled – or, no, thrown off of in the South Carolina, Alabama. A lot of things happen in that play. Yeah, a lot of, lot of missed tackles on that play. But, again, big piece you lose there. The Gamecocks defensive front, the defensive line, I think that outside of the running back group might be the best position group on this team with guys. Another guy that we really – It didn't better be. To, yeah, we didn't really get to stop and enjoy his season was – J.J. Barre, who I think either uh-huh. was tied or led the SEC in sacks. You think of guys, do we see the most out of Zach Pickens? Do we see the most out of Jordan Birch? Tonka Hemingway was really nice inside. Maybe Boogie Huntley, who comes from Hammond. Maybe um, Rick Sandage. Do we get the most out of him? There's a lot of guys up on that defensive front, but a lot of questions in the secondary. And again, I know you agree, you know, mm-hmm. under Clayton White, Jimmy Lindsay, the D-line coach, you've got Torian Gray, defensive backs coach, who's coming yeah. from Florida, and he's he's really highly regarded. But it's really, I think, this year, because I defense is the question mark for me going in this season, no question. I, I think offensively, like you said, with that combo of Doty and the running backs, and if you can just find a couple of guys that can, yeah. that can catch the football and stretch the defense, I think offensively you should be able to score. And I think Beamer's going to make that a real point of emphasis. Mm-hmm. Defensively is where I'm worried, especially depth-wise, especially in the secondary. Yeah. I think they said Cam Smith is your leading returning defensive back, which I think he's going to be a quality player, but yeah. he has three career starts. I mean, that's your that's your most veteran guy. So talk a little bit about the defense again. Just it, it, And I know you and I agree, it's going to come down to that pass rush. And a guy like J.J. Nabari that, like I said, I think was another guy that just completely yeah. got overshadowed in a season where, like you said, we were just trying to get to the end. Yeah, when you if you look at the stats, just like like I'm trying to think off the top of my head, I'm not sure if they're all accurate and like that. But like, you know, there's a kid from Kentucky. I don't think it was John Davis. Um, it was it was a defensive lineman, and there was also um, you know, you said the, the the kid from from SC that was like they didn't lead the SEC in sacks, but they were second, with like seven right. and a half or six and a half, and stuff like that. It's like these right. are really good seasons. Yeah, and <laughs> like, these are really game, really good in a seasons. Ten game all conference schedule. They're right, really good stats. Yeah, and and like you know, in years like that, you always see the SEC, especially, you know, kind of like, you know, throw out a freebie like a, like a, right. an all SEC or you know like a or whatever kind of award to players like that and like reward effort. And you really didn't see that a lot last year. It seemed like every single week it was Bama, Georgia, Florida, and that was it. It was just I mean right. for real. Like I'm, and I'm even as a Bama fan, it's like Jesus is obnoxious, but like. <laughs> Going into this year, you were saying that you think that'll be the strength of the teams, the defense right. or the defense. It effing better be because yeah. if you have two five stars on that unit alone, yeah. you would think it would have to be. The, the stuff with the secondary, I would say it's concerning because replacing a guy like JC Horn is 
really difficult. I mean, JC yeah. Horn is another guy, honestly, that up until the draft was severely underrated. Right. Right. Yeah. Even his own, even his own secondary, because Mukwamu yeah. had those three interceptions against Georgia and, and all that kind of stuff. JC Horn is the second best defensive back in this draft, and it's not close. Like he's a top mm-hmm. 15 pick in the draft, hands down. The three starts doesn't worry me as, as much because I know those guys got playing time, right? Because because right. both of them opted out with Mugamu right, right. and, and Horn. So, like, you know they get to play at least. Um, and the way that, that defense was, I'm not, I don't know what the stats were or, or how they looked or anything like that, but I imagine they at least got a lot of reps because yeah. of the way the defense gave up points and stuff like that and the way that football is played now. Mm. So, the secondary is going to be a struggle for sure. And, and like, I don't know if there's a position on the field that you want to be lacking in like, like worse than the defensive back, the way, mm, the way yeah. that quarterbacks are and receivers are in this league right now. Um, so yeah, that, that would be a concern, but like, you know, the best thing to, to help with a, with a pass cut or a pass defense is a great, great rush or not rush defense is a great um, pass rush front seven and pass rush. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I need to get some more. I can see. <laughs> um, yeah. But like a great pass rush and, and like, by all means, they should have that. And yeah. and I think that if you can get both Birch and both Pickens, mm. both those guys to just like on, like just create havoc at the same time yeah. on the field at once, you're right. The depth is not great. The, the depth is not great. But if you can just get off the field in three downs, yeah, you're good. You don't need to have people coming out and like interpolation and stuff like that. And, and I think that if, if they can just light a fire under both their asses, and I think they will with with Birch, if what I heard from like Hutcherson at the at Pro and Day. You got to think too. You have Eric Kimry on staff who who coached yeah. Jordan Birch in high school, so I think that definitely you know not coaching his position, but he's there right. to to help. You know, you know he wants well, the it, best for him, obviously. So yeah, and that's that's also two kids that are that like regardless of how good of a defensive lineman they are from a physicality standpoint, they're physical freaks. Right. Right. So th- they should be able to have their way with a lot of people up front um, in the SEC this year. Just, you know, I, it, it's going to be it'll be interesting to see what the, the rest of the back seven looks like. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Defense 101 with Chris Marler. Chris, we're talking <laughs> we're talking ahead of the spring game, of course. And I- I'm not going to spend 20 minutes with you asking, you know, oh, break this yeah. down the spring game. Break that. It's more so funny to me because, again, and we're going to, you know, I'm going to be breaking it down. It's, it's great for content. It's great for fans, and especially yeah. after last year not having spring ball and not having a spring game. Like, I've never been looking so forward to a spring game yeah. as I am looking forward to Saturday. But for you, again, Alabama had their spring game last weekend, and it was on ESPN. It's so funny because it's like every other SEC school is on SEC Network Plus, and then Bama gets – Hold on, but they were – they were – all those games were on TV last year. I don't know why they were on SEC Network Plus this year because they were like – they were streaming. All of them were streaming, and it was like I, – I, last year they made it a point to have every single game televised on SEC Network, and I, I don't know why they were doing that. Also, the it, Bama game was the, the highest-watched – spring game since 2016 so I, I did see you post that no I, I actually did see you post that before which is why I brought it up but I'll ask you as a Bama fan because I feel kind of I think we're probably on the same page looking forward to this South kind of spring game I mean there's many things I'm looking forward to especially mm-hmm. when you have a first year head coach just what are things going to look like you know obviously the quarterback position the run like all over ready to see the new guys but yeah. realistically I think you and I can both agree like how much do you really take away from a spring game I, I mean when just, you watched Bama last weekend like I don't feel like there's anything where like you're you're there. You have a take after the game. It's like this. This is fact. Yeah. Now. It's like you know. So I'm excited for it, but it's it's 
it's funny because it's like, how much do you really take away from a glorified scrimmage? I I will never. <laughs> forget. I used to get super into it. Is it is a glorified scrimmage? Like I used yeah. to get super into the spring game because like at the start of the saving era, it's like you're bringing all these new recruits and it's like you right. get guys like Julio and, all, and like right. all these you get excited for it and then it's like. You know, it's like I told somebody the other day, it's like, you know, I used to get excited when I'd see Kate Winslet's boob in, in Titanic. And then I saw their boobs. And I'm like, all right, who cares? This is really the same thing. Um, but like when I, I remember, I remember like watching a spring game with my dad and it was like, there was like a seven yard hitch route yeah. that was completed. And he was like, watch this, watch this. And he like rewinds it like eight times. And he's like, that's a perfect route and a perfect pass with perfect coverage. And I was like, can we just shut up? Like, this is, who cares? Practice. Yeah, like, yeah. so talking about yeah. practice, not a game. About, I mean, like, I, I just don't, I don't take away as long as there's no injuries. And what you're going right. to start seeing yeah. now too, is like, I mean, Bama had 20 players out and 10 starters out. Like, you know, and did, they, did they just sit out right or they, did they just want to sit out or just like, they just, no, I think there was like a string of COVID stuff that was going on from, from some people gotcha. that I was told, but there was also just like, just, there's no reason to get hurt in the spring game, right? That's, so, that's what I was going to say. If, if if guys are opting out for real games, right? Why would they play in the spring game? I mean, I yeah, agree. <laughs> it's a, I think from like from this Saturday, what I would be excited to see is is Doty for one. That's like yeah. where like all eyes and, and attention should be. Um, and then seeing the young guys and seeing yeah. like because because like this is such a cool time with like you know when you're transitioning to a new coach in a program where you get excited to see the new guys who are buying in, right? Like, mm-hmm. like guys that might, might've been kind of overlooked or lost in the shuffle from the last coaching regime, but now have like a fresh start. And, and like, you know, who, who's going to like make a jump from somebody you might've thought it was like, you yeah, know, that that's going to be like a career backup. Maybe he's a bus. He was a high recruit that now is like a guy that's like, this guy gets it. Like he, yeah. the light finally came on because for whatever reason, he he's able to work with his coach better or, or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, that's what I, I would be excited for. And it's just the younger guys as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like one of those things like you want to watch your stars, mm. but I also don't want to see Kevin. I don't need to see Kevin Harris run for 200 yards yeah. on that defense. <laughs> and it's when it's, it's a spring game. Yeah. Everything good that happens is bad. Right. It's right. Like, it's good and bad. Right. Yeah. yeah. Offense is great. Oh no. Defense is terrible. No. And I do want to make the point by the way, to people listening, I'm not like putting down the spring game or taking any value off it. It's yeah. just, it's kind of funny. Cause again, it, how ridiculous would it be if I put out a Monday show, like, we got to fire the defensive coordinator, Luke Doty. It's like, bro, we were playing ourselves. Like, did you see? You did you see the? Uh, I posted those the Dude. stats last week on SDS, and I, yeah. I didn't look at the comments because I was too oh, busy God. getting all like the numbers and all that kind of stuff. Because right. a lot, because people like Saban want to be an asshole, and I can say that because well, I can I can say it. So right, anyway, right, right. but he looks like like you know wants to be a dick. It's like we're not putting out the stats, so I'm like searching high and low for these stupid numbers to make this stupid graphic. It took like six hours. I finally go look at the comments, and it's like. Here's the spring game numbers, which mean nothing. They mean right. absolute shit, right? <laughs> and so then I'm like looking at it. It's like JT Daniels had this many yards. We're like, well, the defense sucks. That secondary's trash. I'm like, no, how? Like, come what? on. <laughs> why, why? Why is this the career I chose? Dude, I, I was thinking about making like a parody video, leaving Williams Bryce Saturday, doing a little fire shame Beamer. <laughs> <laughs> you won't. Yeah. Then be like, no, nah, I'm you just definitely need to get on his bad side right now. Like, yeah. like right God. off the back, get on his bad side. You know side. what? I'm kind of enjoying being on the good side of things right now. Um. Yeah, I don't know. But either way, like I said, I'm, I'm not putting down the spring game. I'm really excited for it, like you said, especially to see all the transfers South kind of got, yeah. see them on the field yeah. for the first time. I think, uh, you know, it's funny. In every spring game, it's always like there's a spring game standout that, like, just goes off that never yeah. plays again. But I right. do think a guy that I think, like you were saying, a guy you see buying in and, 
and a guy I've heard great things about in camp and somebody I'm excited for and I'm excited to see in the spring game is a guy like, for example, Dak Joyner. I think that's a guy uh-huh. that was so underutilized in the must-champ era that I think can make a big impact. Let's move into, Chris, I don't want to keep you here forever. Let's talk about yeah. just overall outlook. I know we're, we're months away, but the 2021 season for South Carolina specifically and in the SEC as a whole – um, you know, everybody wants to ask me, you know, overall prediction of you know, the ESPN FBI just dropped, which what does that what really the- matter? But yeah, it's at four and a half for the Gamecocks. And I, I think the Vegas over under is probably going to be around five, four. It might be at four and a half. I don't know, but probably five. I think five is probably going to be the number uh, real quick. When, yeah, go ahead. You bring up the FBI and everyone, everyone goes to ESPN because it's ESPN. They, right. they have like so. And if you look at those numbers they have out, it's incredibly awesome to have because we just are fiending for content in the offseason right. as, as diehard college football fans. But and, and they do they do it like to every possible projections, like how right. many wins, how many losses, percentage chance they'll get to six wins, they'll win their division, that they'll win out, that they'll win right. the SEC, the, the national get to the, the title, all that kind of stuff. I just want everyone to hear me when I say this. And this is coming from a Bama fan, but just so you know. If you need proof that the FPI is complete shit, okay? Because I know they bring South Carolina right. 68th, right? And they were like right. 27th <laughs> last year for some reason, yeah. like throughout most of the season. Mm-hmm. When LSU beat Alabama in 2019, the FPI rankings that factored into when they they brought up all their playoff stuff, right. like like on those Tuesday those Tuesday shows, mm-hmm. the FPI had Alabama ranked ahead of LSU for three weeks after they lost to them. So don't put too much right, stock right, in right. that at all. Like it's just it's crazy. Right. For sure. Well, movie anyways, either way, the 2021 season, you know, most people ask me, yeah. what, what are the predictions, expectations? What, what, what will be a successful year? I say, if you can get to six and six, get to a bowl game, I mm-hmm. think that's a successful first year under Shane Beamer. When you take a look at this South Carolina football team, again, we're getting the non-conference back, which I think is a huge advantage. I mean, not yeah. just for the Gamecocks, but other schools as well. It's funny last year in 2020, not having the non-conference, it kind of like, revealed a lot of teams that would normally just cupcake four wins like a you know I I, I guess Mizzou obviously was a nice story last year but I know they're a team that I'm always sitting there I'm like it's week five I'm like who have they played like Northwest Missouri State like they start the year with it I'm like I didn't know there was that many directional Colorado schools until I see Florida (laughs) schedule every year every single year it's like northern Colorado north southern Colorado like how is this thing (laughs) southwestern Colorado but yeah either way like I said I I say six and six would be a successful year if you can do that or god forbid better get to a bowl game you know kind of get things back on track especially when you're talking about a program that has won a combined six games the last two years when you look at this first season under Shane Beamer, are there anything specific? Is there anything specific you're looking for? And what would you deem a successful first year for him in Columbia? I mean, I think getting to a bowl, somebody asked us this the other day, um, like during like one of our Facebook lives or something, and was like, Do you think that a six and six record and getting to a bowl game would be like that's where the bar should be at? Like, would would that be successful enough in year one? I was like, Yeah, like that yeah. that should that is the like that is yeah. where the like the bar should be set right now because I mean, I know they were going to go to a bowl game last year, but it was like the... I mean, yeah, they were two and eight. I mean... Yeah, the Gasparilla Bowl. <laughs> yeah. like it's like, what? Yeah. So, but I think that, like, yeah. if, if they could do that in year one, I, the, the thing is, like, and South Carolina is good about this as a fan base in general, mm-hmm. is is getting back to, like, enjoying things and having fun Just as a Just make program. game day fun again. That, that's literally yeah. it. it like, like, the, like, everyone loves to tailgate and drink. Like, but you nobody likes well i mean some people do like to drink until they can't feel feelings and that's what south carolina football has done for a while because it's like 
You're yeah. like, and, and, and there's a lot of teams that do it, but it's like, you know, I, I think that as a fan base, there's not really that many other fan bases out there to deserve it more than, than South Carolina. Cause they show up every single year right. and every single Saturday, but getting to a bowl game, no matter what the bowl game is, if it's, it's literally being played in your fucking backyard, like that, that is a success because it's right. like, I think you were deprived of so much of this mm. under, under Muschamp. And it was, it was so maddening to watch Muschamp because we talked about this at the start of the show, even his highest of highs were in the middle of like the lowest of lows. Like, Oh, yeah. we beat Georgia. Like you wasted the, you wasted, you remember the, the scene in big daddy's like, we wasted the good surprise on you. That's what they did when they beat yeah. Georgia. It's like, I mean, they, they beat Georgia and then that same season lost to app state. I mean, <laughs> You just well, it's pretty good, but still, like, I, I mean, mean, but yeah, you're yeah, right. Like, yeah. like it's in, like at the end of the year, you, you beat a number three team in the country on the road and then you go four and eight and you're like, damn it, must you like, how do yeah. we do that? So I, I think that like some level of consistency is, is like, we just, I, I feel like if it's six and six and it's middle of the road yeah. and you're just not, and just be competitive, like just don't get your year, doors yeah. blown off, you know, every big game. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. so, you know, like you said, make game day fun again. I kind of equate it to last year. You know, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Ole Miss wasn't some juggernaut, but God, no. they were fun to watch. I mean, they're yeah. just fun to watch. That's all Shane Beamer has to do in year one. Just make it fun to watch. That's an improvement yep. from the from the last regime. So way too early predictions. I'll ask you SEC East, West, and Champion. I'm sure you're gonna go with Alabama, but I, I'm curious. Like no. if, you had, if you had to and, and by the way, you were talking about the FPI. Mississippi State is eighth. Like I I'm so, I could I don't know much about Mississippi State football at this point because obviously you know, the season's so far off, but you're an SEC West guy. Like, what the hell is going on? Okay, well, first off, you know that I, you know, one of my hottest takes, and I will stand by this the day I die, is that South Carolina is the Mississippi State of the East. They're the same school. That's fair. Honestly, um, that's fair. I mean, you guys are a lot better school, and I would right, much right. rather go to Columbia than Starkville ever. But, like, so, so I, like, again, the FPI is ridiculous, and it's full of yeah. shit. And, like, it, it's, like, <laughs> I think at some point, Wisconsin, like, throughout – they when they started last year, they'd played two games. They'd take like a three week break because of COVID or whatever. Right. They were still like, they had like the like fifth best odds to make the college football playoff when they were two and oh, and everyone else is like almost done with their entire season. Like the FPI is ridiculous. Yeah. I will say this about, about Mississippi State. They return a, a, a above average to pretty good defense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were second or third in the SEC and like rush defense. And they, they did some things well on that side of the ball last year. They didn't blow anybody away on offense last year. Like, and you would think they would. Will Rogers was second in the SEC, I think, in completion percentage. And it's a lot of to do with the scheme and the way they, you know, run like you know, slip screens yeah, with and Leach kind of or stuff. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the thing is, if you look at, at Mike Leach and like all of his stops throughout his career and, and where he's been at different places, like statistically speaking, from year one to year two, there's about a 7.6 point bump from that offense, what they score per right. game than they did in year one. So you start to understand the offense board and what they're trying to do. Right, right. So it kind of goes along with it. I think that's where you're seeing – they'll see improvement for sure. Eighth is – I would be shocked. <laughs> right. I would be shocked. But I think – so just going to the SEC in general, um, I so I'm not sold on Bama just because mm-hmm. – like they Bama fans are obnoxious enough to think that like they were they we don't you know I think Devontae Smith said it, like we don't you know replace players we reload or whatever right, like right. you know the saying is and all that kind of stuff and they have talent for days out there and and everything out of fall campus or spring campus saying that the defense should carry the team which I don't trust that at all because that doesn't happen anymore in football but right. like that is that should be the strength that defensive line is going to be like Will Anderson and Chris Allen are going to be a nightmare for for people off the edge. Um, 
Texas A&M returning 20 of 22 on their, their two deep on defense is, is really, really big. That's wild. Um, yeah. They lose a lot on, on offense, obviously. With yeah. Mon, Kellen Mond, 17-year veteran gone. Dude, I think he's going to come back, and he probably should have. But, no, so so they, they outside of South Carolina, and I'll just say I'll pander to you for that. Outside of South Carolina, they had the best one-two combination of, of running backs right. in the SEC with, yeah. with uh, A-Chain and, um, and Spiller. But they also get Bama at home. They don't have to go to, you know, they don't play Georgia. I don't think they play Florida in the East this year. They play y'all. And I think I forgot who the other one was. Um, so I could see them being a dark horse, you know, and beating Bama. Cause I, I just, I really think Bama's going to struggle a lot right. with you. It's one thing to replace a bunch of starters. You think about it, like going into last year, Alabama had, and I, I, I don't remember this happening at other schools like ever where it's like, all right, you didn't just get the benefit of having someone come back. Like, all right, Najee Harris came back for next season. Devontae Smith came back for another season. Yeah. Um, Leatherwood came back for another season. Dylan Moses, like these are all guys that probably wouldn't have maybe gone first round, but right. they were in some mocks and now are all like, you know, legit first, second round picks. Um, you lose all those guys now. And right. I don't care what anyone says, you don't reload from losing the top three Heisman finalists. It's just yeah. fucking stupid. Like you just, yeah. it's not going to happen. They're going to go 10 and two. Um, so I'm going to say A and M um, out of the West. I can also see I can also see LSU uh, depending on how how that defense looks. Out of the East, I, everyone's going to say it, but it's true. It's Georgia, and Georgia is going to be like from what I saw in the spring game. I know we talked about not having hot takes. That right. physically, that is the most impressive football team in right. the country, and, and they just they look like they look like get like they they win getting off the bus, man. Like they they just have athletes on that team right. that are just different. And just yeah. like I mean, Jalen Carter and and Jordan Davis and like inside is is just an absolute nightmare. It's it, mm. it's it's a cheat code. So I think Georgia wins the East. I think they win the SEC. It's gonna be a long fucking year. Hope, hopefully, Bama doesn't make it to the SEC championship because I don't want to have to hear about that. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, I think that it's gonna end up being Georgia and Clemson as much as I don't want to say it. I hate. Yeah. And they this, play. They think, play week one. Yeah. When they return 11 starters on defense. Right. So, and then like in the benefit of Clemson is that like, if you think about it, they get to just practice the whole year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they That's don't play point. anybody. That's a good point. Like, so, um, they, they, yeah, they man, play, think, they play 12 spring games basically. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like there's no, like, and think about this too, man. Like, like think about their biggest losses of the year. They lost to Pitt at home, like yeah. with Deshaun Watson the year they went to the national championship game. Yeah. They lost to Syracuse at home. Like, and none of it even matters. They yeah. like, they lose these like shit teams. And it's like, oh, it's, you know what? If you if you go out next week and you beat Wake Forest by sixty, you're gonna be back in our good graces. So, um, I, I think those two teams are, are are probably head and shoulders above the rest. And yeah. and um, Oklahoma's a team with a lot of talent as well. But I I really do think this is Georgia's year. And I hate to say it because I don't think this city is ready for it in Atlanta. Um, yeah. it's, it's been sure it's been Georgia's year since 1980. Honestly, every year, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to turn 35 in two weeks, and I've, I've lived here my whole life, and every single fucking year I hear it. Every single year, but like I really think this is the year. Yeah, no, for sure. It, you think it's got to happen at some point. And yeah, I, I will say this, just kind of speaking back to what you're saying about like Wisconsin being 2-0 and and like everybody else is like 7, whatever. I, I'm so ready to just see, you know, a quote-unquote, no, like pretty much back to, like we're not, last yeah. year, like you said, it just felt so just, so strange to have teams like not playing and playing and, I mean, Pac-12 started like two months late and Big Ten was start. Like, it's like it was so, yeah. the, like you said, the whole point of the 2020 season was to get to Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and 
You're forcing it. That's all. That was the whole point of playing. That, honestly, it cheated fans so much. And I, and I kept saying this is what really pissed me off about this, even as a Bama fan. And I know my team won it, but like it really was such a disservice to fans in a year that we needed it. Like, like there's never been a year that we've had to go through all that shit. Yeah. If, if it wasn't for Tiger King and cheer in week one of January on yeah. Netflix, it would have been the worst. It, would, well, it was the worst year ever. But like if it wasn't yeah. for that, think about how much more miserable it would have been. Yeah. So in a year that you could, you really could have just like bent the rules and you could have been like, you know what? we're going to do a playoff this year because that's yeah. the only fair way to do this. Otherwise it's going to look really obvious that we just want Ohio state in, even though they're only playing I mean, the big games. 10, I feel literally, you know, they were not going to play and they're like, you know what? We got to play. We got to get Ohio state in. I mean, that, that's the whole reason they played. That just, I, I will never, never get over just the, it's not the fact that they didn't want to play. It's just the arrogance that they did it. And, and the fact that they wanted to look down their noses at the sec and talk about how, we didn't like I, I said this. I had this conversation with somebody at the end of the year last year. It's a Big Ten, you know, writer. And, and, and anybody that knows me knows that I hate the Big Ten. Right, I just right. it's it and I it's there's no part of me that'll be objective about the Big Ten. Right. If you if you love prime number scoring games, if you if you love waking up at uh, like 930 to watch an 11 a.m. 19 to 13 battle between fucking Purdue and Northwestern, have at it, Hoss. Like that's right. all you. Right. Like, but I just I don't get the appeal and, and the the fact that this whole thing about how, you know, the South, we weren't taking this seriously with COVID and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And it was this whole weird narrative. Alabama didn't have a single player miss a, a game last year because yeah. of COVID. Yeah. The SEC got through a full set of schedules because of, of, of leadership from Sankey. And it just, you know, I, 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 again, I just think the NCAA did a really bad job and the committee did a really bad job of just, you know, if that's the case, if you just want those four teams in, because that's a dream yeah. scenario with Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson, Bama. Fuck it, man. Just, just add a fifth and put Texas in there. Yeah. And then, like, bring in the Patriots or the Cowboys. Like, like if you're going to just do that, just, I mean, just yeah. go full out. Yeah. No, and like I said, I'm just so happy to see. I think this season we're going to have – I mean, it sounded like, you know, full stadiums and a, and a normal schedule and have at it. You know, crazy. I will say I'm glad the Big Ten played, though, because watching Justin Fields drop dimes all over Clemson's defense yeah. certainly brought a smile to my face. Chris, we could go all day, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, Last thing, though, tell people about your new podcast, man. You're the co-host of College Football Uncensored, which, again, I, I feel like is – pretty self-explanatory in itself in the title, but just kind of when did that start? What's the overall subject yeah. matter? Obviously uh, college football, but yeah, just kind of give people an insight on, on the new show you're doing, where they can find it, where they can tune in all that good stuff. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. It's, um, so it's, it's a new podcast it's called, as you said, college football uncensored. It's, it's still from SDS. I'm still, um, like you said, the engagement editor there and I run the social media accounts and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so we just decided in the offseason to kind of split off the regular format we had of the old SDS podcast and just kind of like, you know, try some new stuff and, and, and kind of uh, create more content, I think, for the fans, but also like stuff that's like a little bit more genuine. And, and like anybody that knows me or has been listening to this podcast, hopefully not with kids in the car, because I just, you know, I, I like to use four letter words a lot. And um, I think that anybody that's watched college football and has a pulse probably has done the same at some point in their life. So um, it is a, a more fun, less big J journalism look at college role in the SEC. And, um, it's been, it's been great, man. We, we just started about two or three months ago and being able to not have to dive into like, you know, Kentucky's third string running back and instead doing like your top five favorite fat athletes of all time, like fat athletes. That's the kind of content that we love and care about over there at college Bowl uncensored. So yeah, give it a, just, you know, go, go give it a listen and all that good stuff. And, um, we're excited for the season. It's been weird because it's the off season. Yeah. And it's like college football and since <clears throat> we've just been talking about college basketball nonstop. 
Hey, well, you know what? College football season, as we both know, never ends, which we love. Chris, yeah. I appreciate it again, again, man. This was a pleasure. Great to have you back on. I know we'll we'll certainly chat again before the season gets going. But yeah, man. Uh, no, man, this was awesome. I truly appreciate it. Of course. Y'all, uh, y'all have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. He's Chris Marlowe. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time episode of the Spurs Up Show. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.